Well, good morning, New Hope. It is so great to be with you guys all in the room today with those of you online. Would you go ahead and bow your heads to pray with me? Well, dear God, we are in your presence today. God, and I just wanna thank you for every single person in which you have placed in this room or watching with us online today. God, it's no accident that they are here. And God, we know that if you do not speak, absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And so God, hear our prayer, that you would come and speak to us a new thing. And for all of you under the sound of my voice, go ahead and make that your own prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, would you speak with me today? Father, we love you and we trust you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that everybody said, Amen. Amen. We are in our current series, Four Letter Words. And last Sunday, Pastor Mike Kelsey brought us a powerful word titled, Wait. And you might recall that the Sunday before that, Pastor Benji taught us a little bit more about the word grit. And so I don't know about you, but as we've been journeying through this series, I've been thinking a lot about Four Letter Words. You know, those words that can trigger a certain type of emotion within us. Now, if you would say that you know me well, you would probably already know that I have a sweet little puppy. And let's be honest, how could you not say puppy without a photo? So here's a dog of my picture of my dog. This is my little dog, his name is Rhett. And if you can't tell, he's got a bow tie on because he's wearing his Sunday best. (laughs) But I've come to realize that even in my own life with Rhett, I too have some trigger words that I wouldn't dare mention with him nearby. And one of those words that I've learned not to mention is the four letter word, dogs. Like I don't know what has happened and I truly don't know what his deal is. But for some reason, Rhett does not desire to be associated with dogs. It's like he can honestly forget he is a dog. (laughs) So like any concerned dog owner would do, I went out to solve this problem by sending Rhett to a puppy daycare. Have you seen these places before? They're amazing. So you can drop off your dog and they can interact with other dogs before you come back and pick them up again later. And this place is so great that aligned in the rooms are some security cameras so that any point when you're gone, you can open up an app on your phone and you can watch your dog's interactions. So I go and I drop Red off and I open up the app and I'm watching all these cute little dogs just playing and wrestling together. And so I'm sitting there wondering where in the world mine is. And I actually took a screenshot so you could see what I see. Here's what I saw. (laughs) Well, for those of you who are laughing, you can probably tell that little Red is just on the complete opposite side of the room. He's just away from all the other dogs. And so I I look at him and I'm like, you know, it's first day, we'll give him some grace. So then three hours go by and I open up the app on my phone and this is what I see. New Hope family, I really, really wish that I was reacting like you, but I didn't. I was like, really, buddy? Like, Red is just sitting. He's just resting in the same exact spot he was just in. And I'm like, Red, did you really even move? I just couldn't understand why he was avoiding all these other dogs. And so I go, I pick Red up, and a week goes by. We do it all over again. I drop him off. I open up the app on my phone. And to my surprise, Red is not actually in the same corner he was just in. And I thought, finally, he's learning he's a dog. And then I looked a little bit closer, and this is what I saw. 
Yeah. Yeah, New Hope family, we didn't go back. We actually never went back. I just couldn't understand why my dog was removing himself from, why he was just avoiding all those four-letter words he deemed forsaken in the form of some no-good dogs. And stick with me, church, because here's why I tell us that story. Because I think when it comes to some four-letter words that cause just a little bit of discomfort to us, well, I think just like my dog, Rhett, we are removing ourselves from the word and trying to avoid it at all cost when I believe God would really want to teach us something in it. Because here's what I know. From the moment that I mentioned the four-letter word that we're gonna be speaking about today, there is an automatic weight that will go over the room. Because quite honestly, it's a word that a lot of us would just rather avoid. But there's two things I know to be true about this word. One, we all have experience with it. For some of us, it's a distant memory in our past, yet it can still spark about a hurt today. And for others of us, well, it's a very present problem. It's trying to rob you of your attention, even as we speak right now. Just as sure as I am about the first thing, here's the second thing I know. When it comes to this word, we can endure it if there is a purpose to it. It's why people will spend hours at the gym just lifting weights until their muscles feel the agony caused by this word. But hey, we'll do it. It's for the purpose of achieving our ideal body image. Women who are moms, it's why you will face this word head on during labor. But you'll do it if it's for the purpose of bringing a child into the world. Do you know it? I'm talking about the four letter word called pain. Isn't it interesting? We can endure pain if there is a purpose to it. And God is not the author of your pain, but he does specialize in causing all things to work together for good, even your deepest pains. So the question today is, will you remove yourself from the pain? Or will you walk through the process with God, allowing yourself to be refined by it? You know, I spoke earlier about how we all have experience when it comes to the word pain. And pain is actually what's present in the passage of scripture we're gonna be looking at. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to 2 Kings chapter four. And while you're opening there, let me go ahead and give us some context for the scripture. See, in 2 Kings chapter four, we come across a woman who's experiencing a pain. And this woman is in close proximity to the man of God, the prophet, Elisha. And life for a prophet well, it was often full of pain because so often prophets would be shunned or judged by kings because the king saw the connection to God that the prophet had had as a threat to their reign. So what we see in this text is Elisha is the prophet who's known for traveling to a place called Mount Carmel, which is a 24 mile long mountain range and it's actually described as a haunt of criminals because so often people would escape there from exile. That's exactly what Elijah would have to do. So make no mistake, when we open up 2 Kings chapter four, Elijah serves to us as an example of someone who is close to God and yet experiencing a pain. Because just because you go to church and you call yourself a Christian does not mean that you are exempt from experiencing pain in your life. 
But I believe that through this passage of scripture here, we can learn more about the process God takes us on as he faithfully works pain for our good. So if you're ready for the word of the Lord today, I wanna hear you say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Come on, all of you guys online, go ahead and let us know in the chat. I'm gonna ask it again, it's the word of the Lord. Are you ready? ready. All right, starting in 2 Kings chapter four, we're gonna start in verse eight. It says this, one day Elijah went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shemanite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you've gone through all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband's old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. So Elisha's passing through the towns and he's doing the work that God has called him to do when he comes across this woman. And the text refers to her as the well-to-do woman, which in other translations is taken from the Hebrew word great, meaning that this woman, she is established, she is wealthy, she has all that she needs. So when Elijah seeks to bless the woman who seemingly has everything, he comes across this one very sensitive fact. The woman doesn't have a son. So Elijah promises what she stopped praying for. What about you? Really, what about you today? What things have you stopped praying and pleading with God for at his feet? Because it feels like your prayers are just hitting some ceiling. But Elijah promises what she stopped praying for. And did you catch how she responded? She said, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, she's saying, don't mislead me. I've already asked for this before. I don't wanna get my hopes up. This woman has experienced a hurt before. So instead of responding to the promise and praise, she is looking for a way to push down the pain of her disappointment. But Elijah gives her a promise. And he doesn't just say that she will have a son. He says, you will hold a son, meaning it's a personal promise. And I just wonder if there's anybody here today and you're like me and you would agree that you are holding on to a personal promise from God. This woman can relate. The scripture continues on and it says, but the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. Then church, make note of this in your Bibles. Not even one verse later, says the child grew 
And one day he went out to his father and he said to his father, my head, my head. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died. And the woman is faced with her deepest pain she'd even asked for in the first place. Has your life ever been interrupted by some uninvited pain? You are finally starting to experience peace in your life. And then that anxiety that you used to struggle with, well, it came striking back up again. You were getting excited about some things in your life. And then the doctor called you. You were starting to dream again. And then that person so close to you passed away. This woman is experiencing a hurt all because some uninvited pain came and interrupted her story. Can you relate? But listen, circumstances change and our God does not. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Hear me again, God does not create the pain, but he uses it. And he refines us through a process called pain. And just like we'll see with this woman, those who endure the process of pain do not come out the same. There is something to be learned about the character of your God in this season that you wouldn't be able to learn if you just skipped ahead to the promise. And so today, I wanna talk with you this morning about three attributes those who endure the process of pain learn. And here's the first thing, it's gonna be on your screens, so let's get ready to say it out loud together. Ready, go, run to God. Those who endure the process of pain, they learn to run to God. After the woman discovers the news about her son, the scriptures continue on, and it says this. The word of God says she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly. Why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. So she set out and came to the man of God. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shomanite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Did I ask for this? The woman said, talk about experiencing some uninvited pain. The woman saddles up her donkey when her husband comes by and starts speaking with her. And she replies, it's all right, before moving on. The servant comes up to her and he starts speaking with her and then she replies, it's all right, before moving on. Church, we don't need to know the Hebrew word for it's all right to know it's not all right. Because I'll tell you, this is the equivalent to when someone today is frustrated and then someone else comes by and says, what's wrong? And they say, nothing, I'm fine. <laughs> no, you are not fine. It's not all right. This woman's child 
just passed away. But the woman is exhibiting one small discipline that will result in a significant victory. She runs to God. She is on mission to run to the one who started it. How many of us run from the process of pain in a place that is ultimately powerless? The woman pushes past her husband because he's not the source of her satisfaction. The woman pushes past a servant because he's not the one who made the promise. We can run to God, even in our most painful places, even when we don't have all the details yet, because we know the one who started it. We learn the most about our pursuit of God on the backdrop of our greatest pains. And hear me today, church, God's plans for you exceed making hurt your home. When we know this to be true, when we know this to be true, like the people in this room, we can go through any circumstance, endure any pain with our eyes fixated on the hope of heaven, the one who has a track record of never letting us down. The woman runs to God. And here's the second thing if you're taking notes today. Those who endure the process of pain resolve to never stop trusting God. After the woman comes across the man of God, Elisha, she begs him to come see her son. And then the scripture continues on and says this, when Elijah reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Elijah turned and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. Finally, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shemanite, and he did. When she came in, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. But church, don't miss this part of the text. It said that when the woman came across Elisha and the servant, Help me out with this verse. It says that the two of them prayed to the Lord. How many of them? Two. two. Meaning the woman is not present in the room. She was having to trust God behind the closed door. I love how we all talk about wanting a miracle to happen in our lives. And yet if you're anything like me, so often we don't want the circumstance in which a miracle could actually happen in to happen to us. But the woman is having to trust God for a miracle behind the closed door. And I just wonder, is there a situation in your life today where you are having to trust God with what you do not see? Do not let what is wrong with your circumstance keep you from worshiping what is right about God. Do not let what is wrong with your one circumstance keep you from worshiping the countless things that are right about your God. Notice in the scripture, it said that Elijah was walking back and forth. Meaning that Elisha, Elisha's pacing. He doesn't know how this situation's gonna work out. He doesn't know how the boy's gonna come back to life. He is having to trust God in total submission through prayer. Your prayers, they're either changing your situation or they are changing you. 
I love how in Romans 8, it talks about how even when we don't know what to pray, God's spirit intercedes for us on words on our behalf. If you could see what happens in heavenly places when you pray, you would know that there is power in your prayers. But what I love is the woman, she has no idea that Elisha's pacing. The vantage point she sees is just a shut door and a really big faith. I think C.S. Lewis says it best in this great quote. He says, God's presence is not defined by a feeling. He may be doing the most for us when we think he is doing the least. Elijah's pacing, the woman is waiting, but through it all they resolve to never stop trusting God, and we can too. The woman runs to God, and she resolves to never stop trusting God, and she did it all even in the midst of her deepest pains. She had to be broken before the blessing. There is a brokenness before the blessing of God a place where you fall on your knees in total dependence on him. My favorite thing about this woman in 2 Kings chapter four is that her story doesn't end in chapter four. In fact, even after the resurrection of her son, if you would turn in your Bibles just a few pages over to 2 Kings chapter eight, we see that her story comes up again. And this woman, she has just walked through a famine in her land. And it was a famine that was so severe that it's lasted for years. The woman doesn't have a home anymore and her family is in need. And so she makes the decision to go and plead to the king. And this is what we see in 2 Kings chapter eight. The Bible says after the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to see the king about getting back her house and her land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi. Remember him? That's Elijah's servant we've been reading about all morning. The king had just said, tell me some of the stories about the great things that Elijah has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elijah had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored. The king said, tell me some of the stories of God. And the woman walked in. I told you I had three things. Those who endure the process of pain, they run to God. They resolve to never stop trusting God. And here's the third thing, go ahead and write this down because it really changed my world. Those who endure the process of pain produce a story of God's glory. This woman losing her son was probably one of the greatest pains in her entire life. The very thing that she would wanna forget and pray away was the very thing that produced a story of God's glory. Is it possible that those things in which you are praying for God to take away from you today, that pain, that frustration, that confusion, that loneliness. Is it possible that those are the very things in which God would want to use to propel you into your destiny, to change a story? 
that maybe God is not punishing you, but he is positioning you to produce a story of God's glory that will impact generations. When I think about those who've endured the process of pain, it gets personal. Because when I think about those who've endured the process of pain, I think of Kelly and Bruce Hollis of our church. Kelly and Bruce have been here for 14 years and they love the Lord and has instilled those same values within their family. But in 2015, they endured an unimaginable pain when their 16 year old son, Matthew, passed away. Do you know that studies show that 80% of couples who lose a child will end up getting a divorce? You didn't mishear me, 80%. But yet Kelly and Bruce, they are the couple that are leading countless other couples in our discipleship course every Thursday night, proving that with God, Broken situations do not need to break us. When I think of those who've endured the story of God's glory and walked through the process of pain, I think of Clark West of our church. Clark is a young adult and he's the young adult in the middle right here. And Clark had this gift of truly showing up in all the right places at just the right time. I remember we had an event at our church one day and basically everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. All right, my entire team called up. On top of that, the drummer didn't even show up. And just when I went into the lobby to scream, there was Clark West. He showed up an hour early just to say, hey, Abby, I thought I'd check in to see if you needed any help with anything. Early last year, Clark found himself in the hospital when he was experiencing some stomach pains. And he quickly found out that his liver was in failure and he was needing to go on a transplant list. And there are some days when I'm getting ready to teach and I'll get a text on my phone from Clark, letting me know that he cannot wait to watch online and make the hospital room his place of praise. When I think about those who've endured this process called pain, I think of my friend Amanda Cumbass. Amanda's been at our church for five years and she loves the Lord like no other. And she's actually felt on her heart a calling to ministry. But in 2013, Amanda was running in a marathon when she lost feeling in her legs. She was placed in a wheelchair and diagnosed with a very rare disease. And quite often, sometimes she's just going through the frustrations, trying to keep up with hospital visits. She asked God the question, why? Yet Amanda, she gives herself to the heart of this church anyway. And you can often find Amanda every single Wednesday night in our NH Students Ministry, teaching students about Jesus. There is a story of God's glory being produced in you. There is one common theme that I see in the heart of all these stories, and it's not the pain, it's the praise. Things change when we choose to give God our praise. During our One Matter series, Pastor Benji said a great quote. It was by C.S. Lewis. And it was so good, I just wanna read it for us again. It says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. 
It's a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In this life, people can avoid the promptings of God and they can ignore your invites to church. But what people cannot ignore is when a man or a woman of God chooses to give God praise in the midst of some pain. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to stay wallowed up in your pain. But what would it look like for you today to decide no matter what, God will receive my praise even if it comes packaged in some pain? God is not the author of your pain, but he will allow it, not to hurt you, but to heal the broken parts within you so that you can have evidence to trust his heart. And you don't wanna avoid the very place in which your God is tangibly present. He is with you in your pain. He sees you and he is for you. You are not forgotten by God. So new hope. If you're able, I just wanna ask, would you stand with me today? All of you online, just go ahead and stand up wherever you are if you are able. I don't wanna miss the moment in which God has created for us today. So I would simply love to just pray for three groups in particular. So right now with all heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today. And as I talk about running to God, you would admit that you haven't been running to him. But today, instead of running to that person or that substance or that distraction, you would wanna make the decision to run to God today. If that's you, I would just love to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Maybe you're here today. And as I talk about resolving to never stop trusting God, you would admit that you stopped trusting him a really long time ago. And if that's you, you just need some faith to lean on today and someone to pray for your situation, would you raise your hand? I would just love to pray for you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Well, lastly, maybe you're here today and as I talk about producing a story of God's glory, you hear those words that I say but quite honestly, right now, it just feels really hard to hope. And quite honestly, it just feels like you're drowning in the pain. If that's you, I would love to pray for you in your situation. Would you raise your hand? I see you up in the balcony. I see you, I see you. All of you online, God sees you. Well, New Hope family, if you just wanna extend a hand, let's go ahead and pray together. Dear God, we are in your house today. God, and we thank you that you are a God who moves on behalf of our honesty. And God, while we might not know all the stories in particular in which are represented in these raised hands, God, we thank you that you know all the details and that your word teaches us that you are a good father that remains with open arms for us still. So I pray that as your children who have raised their hands come running to you today, God, I pray that they would hear that gentle whisper that you are with them and that you are for them. God, we thank you that in your word, you say that we can trust in you and lean not on our own understanding, meaning that you are the God who sees what we do not see, that you are the God that moves even when we sleep. So God, for our family today that is just hurting and needs an increase of trust, God, I pray that they can borrow some of ours today.
as you move on behalf of their situation. And God, lastly, we just wanna pray for those who are overwhelmed by the pain right now. God, I thank you that your word says that you utter a voice, God, and the earth melts, meaning that you are the one still in control, even when it feels like things are out of control. And God, because of the victory that is in Jesus, would you teach us to still sing, it is well with our souls, no matter what's happening in this world, because you are the God who is moving and in control even still. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus that everybody said, amen.